0: Well, good morning again. Good morning. good morning. Oh, we see some people's traveling. Thank you for showing up. It's good to see you guys. <laughs> we had prayer before, and so we're glad to see God answers prayer. So <laughs> it, is, it is good. I'm in a mood. I'm sorry. I'm in a mood tonight. But hey, and that's, that's probably one of my favorite movies of the year and stuff it's a great epic movie and like I said I love this time of year Um, every summer we try to take a little break and we do this kind of fun series called at the movies where we choose some movies from the past year Um, I just I I just believe I actually had a a class one time it said called the theology of film Um, because I just really believe that um, you want to look for like the culture what people believe and what people are going after all you got to do is go to the movies. There's not a movie out there that doesn't have some kind of spiritual connotation or some kind of moral connotation and everything. And so it's fun to do this and, and get it uh, and do that. And so I'm, I'm excited that you guys are here. I'm excited um, for us to continue on. But um, as I said, I, I love that movie. Um, Infinity War is one of the probably the biggest movies ever. I mean, we waited how many years for them all to like show up, all the Marvel characters and and everything and and like I said again, there will be spoilers if you haven't seen the movie yet, I'm sorry, that's your fault. That thing came out in the spring, okay <laughs> so so you really need to see it but but I really do love that movie, but more important than that movie, more important than anything I'll say are these words um it 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 really doesn't matter what some movie says, some actor says, it doesn't matter what some pastor says, it only matters what these words say. Um, it's the only authority I have, it's the only thing that really makes any difference in any of our lives are these words. And this morning we are going to just dive in and look at this idea of being more than conquerors um, through this movie. But we're going to look at it through Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, turn there. If you don't have a Bible, we have them spread out. Um, if you want to log into our Wi-Fi um, and use your electronic device... Um, It is GBC guests, just type in find more, all lower caps, you can do that. Um, But we are going to dive into this this morning. I'm going to ask out of respect and acknowledgement of the authority's words, if you'll just stand with me. But Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, Paul writes this. He says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist even in, to resist in the evil day and having able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take. Your stand. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that you knew everyone that was going to be here. God, you knew what kind of week we're going to have. You know what's going on in our lives. You know our struggles. You know our joys. You know all of it. None of it ever takes you by surprise. And so, God, we just ask that you would move this morning. God, it is so easy just to watch the news or go through our lives and just feel like, man, the bad team is winning. <laughs> we just feel beaten down sometimes. I just pray this morning for encouragement. God, for boldness, for courage, for for just an uplifting of our hearts, knowing that, God, there's none higher, none greater, none more powerful than you. And we are your children. So, God, I pray that these would be your words and not mine, that you would speak, that you would meet us where we're at, that you would move us from there, God. That we would be different because we showed up to go to church this morning. And God, that your grace and your love would just overwhelm us once again. Father, we pray for ears to hear, for hearts to respond. God, and for the courage to live this outside of these walls. For your glory, for your praise. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. It is a great movie. Um, and, and if you don't know the movie, it's just the whole idea. Finally, all the superheroes have come together to face this just unstoppable force in Thanos and stuff. He is just powerful. Nobody can beat him. It's just it, it's just every everything they try doesn't work. And, stuff, and if you've watched it, you know, like me, you have to wait a year to find out actually how it ends. Because they left it with just everybody like, what? Thanos won, now what? And stuff? And if you grew up reading the comics, you, you actually know what happened. So I'm not going to spoil it for you, but they win, okay? <laughs> just to let you know. We just don't know how they're going to do it yet. But uh, honestly, in, in our lives, doesn't it sometimes feel like you're in a constant battle? Like you are facing something so big and so powerful. And as we look at news and we look at our culture, doesn't it feel sometimes like the other side is winning? I mean, i i get to I get to work at. I've spent the last week at Universal Studios working from about eleven thirty to eight o'clock in the morning. Right when City Walk closes, I have never talked to so many police officers, so many paramedics, so many people, just because of stupid things that are happening. Just people just wrecking their lives and, and doing stuff that's just crazy. And just hearing over and over all the stuff. And and even at church just listening, picking up messages or talking to people. It just seems like the other side is winning. And it's easy to feel like that. And it's easy to feel discouraged. You know, we, we have the privilege of living in a country. We just celebrated the birthday. We have a privilege of living someplace where, you know, we have the freedom to worship. We have the freedom. But it's not like this. In a lot of places, and, and so what do, we, what do we do that? It, it feels like we are facing an impossible enemy, and, and I know there are some people that would love to just to get up and preach messages that's like, "Listen, you follow Jesus and everything's going to be okay. just trust Jesus." That was the favorite saying of the of the little ladies in the church I grew up in It says, "Man, things are going bad." I said, "Honey, you just need to trust Jesus." <laughs> I'm like, okay." It make me feel better. Things have still got bad. Things still are no. You just need to trust Jesus, and it's good and it's true. We need to trust, but we need to understand that just because we put our faith in Jesus does not mean our life is going to be all like cupcakes and ponies. Yeah, I said cupcakes. (laughs) It's not. In fact, in fact, we are promised that there's going to be trouble. And any pastor and any preacher and anybody that brings this word that doesn't tell you the truth of that, you need to just walk out and find some other place because we are promised that trouble is going to happen. In fact, Jesus himself said in John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. I mean, that, that's the promise we can stand on, but it's a twofold promise. One, we're going to have trouble and things are going to happen. And it's going to seem like we are fighting this like unbeatable enemy and, and, and all this stuff. But he's already conquered it. You know, I wonder why so many people that claim to follow Jesus walk around so defeated. Because I think we have forgotten that we've already won, and so this morning, what I really want to do is I want to remind you of that. I, I want to encourage you that yes, we are facing a battle, and, and we've we've got a lot of things that we have to do and and deal with, but our God is bigger. And, and so, very first place, we need to understand. We need to identify the enemy. We we live in a culture right now that loves blame. We, we blame everybody else for everything, and, and we love blame, and we blame this group of people, or we blame, we bl- blame this social group or, 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 or these kids or, or those people or this governmental people and stuff. And we love to blame all stuff. And, and the truth is is we do have an enemy. There are a lot of people that will sit here and they love to talk about Jesus, but they never talk about our enemy that is out there to, kill, steal, kill, steal and destroy everything that is of God and the best thing that our enemy could have had done is for someone to draw him as a cartoon with a little horns and a pitchfork and a nice little tail see because I think sometimes we think our enemy is some kind of cartoonish figure and we don't really have to worry about it but Peter tells us that there is an enemy And we have to be careful. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. We have an enemy out there. And when some crazy person straps some explosives to their body, and walks into a market and kills a bunch of kids, a bunch of women and stuff. We understand, like, that's just insane. But we have, to, we have to know that there's an enemy greater than that. See, I never understood why, as Christians, so often we get upset with, like, non-Christian people. I mean, they're acting exactly the way they should act if they don't know Jesus. We, 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 we really can't expect them not to act that way. And so often we put the blame and we point at stuff. When we know there's an enemy behind there that wants to destroy everything that God's made. And pervert everything that God's made. And twist everything that God's made. And twist his word and twist his people and twist it all up. And so I just want you to understand there is an enemy out here. But our God's still bigger. I, I'm not telling you this for you to be afraid. I'm just telling you to acknowledge this that he is powerful, but he is not all powerful. He knows a lot because he's been around for a long, long time and has made us the object of his study. But he, he's not all knowing. He's not all powerful. That's God. But we, we do have an enemy. And so I love that Peter warns us. He says, be serious. I remember we were at a a chapel and I was working as a youth pastor there. We were overseas living in Sicily. And I talked about the devil and I talked about sin. I had a chaplain come up and says, we don't talk about that. (laughs) We, We don't talk about that because, you know, the devil's not really real. That's just kind of a made up thing. Can I tell you something? If it's in this book, it has to be real because if one is wrong, then it's all wrong. And so just understand, yes, we, we, we do have an enemy. There is an enemy. And so we have to stop playing the blame game. You know, it's these people, it's that thing. When we look at a world and you see everything going wrong, it's because we're fallen people in a fallen world. We, we have to identify it. We, we need to understand and know that every time I get up, that there, there are minions of evil saying, want to stop me from following God. There are minions of evil and and groups of evil that says, listen, I don't want you to get into this word. I don't want you to pray. I don't want you to do any of that stuff. And and so we need to stop stop doing the blame game, but we also need to stop just blaming everything on him, too. You ever heard the saying, the devil made me do it? I tried that with my mama. She said, well, I can't spank the devil, but I can spank you. It's like we go to one stream, extreme or the other extreme. There is nothing bad, and so we, we just don't acknowledge it, or we always say, you know, everything is of the devil, everything is devil. Can I tell you something? The devil can't make you do anything. You can choose to sin. You can choose to disobey. But we need to understand that this is a battle, and this isn't a, like a battle like a schoolyard fight. This isn't like i got to just pump up and learn, like, jujitsu and, and get all stuff. That we need to understand that, that there is a battle going on. And we need to be prepared for it. Back in Ephesians 6, verse 10, Paul says, he says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. He's saying, be ready. But understand, your neighbor that's ticking you off because they're playing the music is not the enemy. The enemy are these spiritual forces, and they are everywhere. I don't know if you've ever read, someone still has my book from Frank Peretti called Piercing the Darkness and This Present Darkness, and I want it back. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember reading that book. And I, I didn't I literally didn't sleep for like two weeks because I just felt like, man, there are things hovering over me. I just I can't imagine what would happen if God just pulled back the veil for a second and we saw the battle that's going on right now. All around us every single day. You know, I, I don't think we talk about spiritual warfare that much in the church anymore. No wonder we're so defeated. No wonder we're so down. And so, so we need to understand, yes, there is an enemy. And so what do we do? What do we do to prepare? And this is not a one-time thing. I think this is a daily thing. I think this is something we wake up and we make a conscious decision every single day that we're going to get ready and we're going go to go into battle. I was a soldier for over seven years. I've been on a battlefield. I've had people shoot at me. And so it would make absolutely no sense to be in the deserts of Iraq in my boxer shorts, running around with a stick, just going, I'm going to take on all the armies. It's just ridiculous. You would look at me and say, you're insane. That's stupid, Tony. Go put some Kevlar on and get your weapon and and get in that tank back there because that's a lot of metal and a lot of firepower. I was good there. But as Christians, so often we enter every single day naked and not ready for the battle that's coming that day. We really do. It it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm I'm an old soldier. I'm an old sergeant. You train, you prepare, you know that the battle's coming and you equip yourselves to be ready for the battle. We do that every other place. Think about it. You plan for retirement. You plan for vacations. You plan to buy a home. you, You set up safety nets and you set up all kinds of stuff. You put in security systems in your home. We do all this stuff, but in our spiritual life, do we take the time to set up and get ready for the battle that's coming that day? And so I'm not telling you that every single day, This just you're going to be loaded on. God gives us grace. God gives us moments where we get rest and stuff. I love that Jesus said, you know, come unto me all who are heavy laden and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. But we can step into battle with confidence every single day. We can face whatever's coming our way if we will just be prepared. And so we need to start by suiting up. We got to choose the right gear is what we need to do. We got to choose the right weapons. We got to choose the right things and stuff. So look back at Ephesians 6, starting at verse 13. I'm going to read through all these, and then we're going to go back and kind of break them down just a little bit. But starting back verse 13, he says, for this reason, take up the full armor of God so you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. I love verse 14. He says, stand. Therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. I love when Paul was writing this. And he was doing it, I think Paul was sitting there, Paul was in prison, and I think he was looking at Roman soldiers every day, getting ready to go on duty and do whatever they had to do. And he watched him, and so as he was writing, he was picturing this soldier getting ready for whatever battle or whatever service he had to do for that day. And so he starts with this idea of, um, of this belt. And of all the things that we're talking about, the belt is not armor. Your version may say girdle. It's the underclothes, And I love that Paul's basically is saying, before we get into anything, before we are spiritual warriors, before we get into it, it starts from the inside out. It starts what, what, what's underneath. You know, I, I grew up in church and I grew up going to church. My uncles were deacons and all that stuff. And I don't think there was ever a time where I really wasn't in church. And man, I knew how to play the game better than anybody. I knew what to say, how to look, and and all that stuff at the right time. But it never translated back into my life in school and growing up until much, much later in life. See, because I never had a foundation of truth. And so it starts from the inside out. And it starts with this belt of truth. We got to start with the truth. And the measure of every truth on this planet and in the entire universe is Jesus. Jesus himself said one of the most provocative statements that probably caused more people a problem than anything else. He said it himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Not a truth, not a life, not a way, but the truth. All other truth is measured up to him into his words. And so we start with the idea that we need to know the truth. And the truth is is that we are created people. That God made us. We're not accidents. We didn't randomly happen. That God made us with purpose and we chose to walk away. And we chose to say God, I'd rather do it my way. That Jesus came and he died and he shed his blood and he rose again and we stand upon that truth and we gird ourselves with that truth before anything else. Because if it doesn't start with Jesus, I'm telling you it's not going to end with Jesus. If it doesn't start with Jesus, it's definitely not going to end with victory. I know so many people that are so intent and they're very religious people. And they are hopeless. Because they don't know Jesus. It it starts with the belt. And then we go to the breastplate of righteousness. In verse 14, it says, stand therefore of truth like a belt and righteousness like armor on your chest. Now, a lot of people look at that and a lot of of theologians look at that and says, well, that's when Jesus says that is God's righteousness put on it. But I love what Spurgeon talks about. Spurgeon talks about this righteousness as the right things to do. That when everybody else is doing wrong, because I'm girded and founded on truth, because I know truth and it's part of who I am, that when choices come and things happen, I can do the right thing. More than anybody else on this planet, followers of Christ should always be doing the right thing. Which means we don't cheat on our taxes. We don't cheat on our families. We have integrity. We have honesty. We choose to do the right thing every day. Even if nobody else is doing it. Man, we need people that say, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to live out the righteousness that God has placed on me. The living rightly is how Spurgeon calls it. And if you're not sure what that is, by the way, everything you need to know about living for God is in here. That's why I'm always harping. Read your Bibles, read your Bibles, get into the Word, get in the Word, because everything you need to know to be successful and to live a victorious life is in here. And so, yes, I I, I gird myself with truth. I set that foundation. and, And then... And then I'm um, because of that, I can these all build on each other. So I can live and do the right things and do all that stuff and and live righteously and live the way God had planned for me, and do it His way, not my way. And then it goes on in verse fifteen. look at verse fifteen. it says, "In your feet sandal with readiness for the gospel of peace." Uh, so many times as Christians, we think of a defensive position. You know, and a lot of this stuff, we have the shield, we have the breastplate, and so we just stand there, we just stand our ground and we hope and we wait till Jesus comes back. If that was the case, he would have never mentioned the sandals. See, because with Roman soldiers, one of the greatest ways to stop an army back in that time was to put spikes in the ground. And so Roman soldiers would save their money and they could buy their own armor. And most of them had to buy their own armor. And so they would get like these copper-soled shoes so that they could keep marching forward. And so the idea for us is that, yes, we, we are girded with truth and we are doing the right thing. But we are also moving forward because it is the power of the gospel move forward. The gospel is supposed to go everywhere. And we carry it with us wherever we go. We're supposed to push the gospel out. We're supposed to take it into the uttermost parts of this of this planet and so yes we we have these shoes on and we're moving so frustrating to me sometimes when when I think about churches and I talk to my other pastor friends and we talk about this idea like well we feel kind of stagnant it's like we're just standing still your faith and my faith was never meant to be a faith that just stands around it was a faith that's supposed to move because the gospel is for everyone and we carry that and we march on. That is, our, that is our battle cry. The gospel for everyone. The good news. The only good news. The true news that Jesus came. And so we carry that. Where we go. That's, that's the plan. That's why the church was created. Go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. To do what? To carry the gospel. Any church, any person that's not mission minded. You're in disobedience. The church is in disobedience because we are called to keep moving and keep moving. And so we, we we're founded by truth. We're covered with the breastplate of righteousness and doing the right things. And we are moving forward. And some days that may be just a little tiny step. And some days it's great strides. But as long as we're moving forward. In our faith and in and, and what we're doing and in our mission, we continue to move forward. But but as we're doing that, look at verse um verse verse sixteen. And in every situation, take up the shield of faith. But you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I love this. And when he's talking about the shield, these Roman shields, it wasn't like the little, like you see in Gladiator movie, they got the little round shield. Man, these were like full-size body shields. And what they would do is they'd take those shields, they would march forward, they would set them down. Then they would fire their, fire their arrows, bounce off the shield, pick up the shield, and keep moving forward. That's our faith. To dream things that are so big that if God's on them, they're going to fail. To understand that God can provide, take care of every little thing, every little need. He's already got a plan for it. I have faith in him that he's going to keep every promise, keep every word. Because of that, I can carry that and I can keep moving forward. The greatest tool, one of the greatest tools we have against doubt, the opposite of doubt is faith. It's trusting that God is who he said he is, that he's kept his word. And, and if you've forgotten that or if you struggle with that, I guarantee you, if you've been a follower of Christ for any amount of time, you can remember a time when God showed up. One of the greatest gifts God gave us was Memory. And so I challenge this morning, remember those times where God showed up when you didn't think anything else was going to happen or no one else was going to show up. And God showed up that he kept his promises. He kept his word because my faith says God's bigger than whatever's out there. And so because of that, I can be shielded and I can keep moving forward. I can keep going. I can keep going. Because it's faith. That God's going to do what he said. He's going to finish what he started in me. He's going to finish what he started on this planet. He's going to finish it all. It doesn't matter what the enemy says. So that's one of his favorite tools to whisper that little doubt in your ear. You know, he may not show it this time. You may, you, may not, you may not make it. In the end, the question is, how much do you trust God? Do you trust him for his plan or for your plan? That's where I struggle. Because I have my plans. (laughs) I know what they look like. I know exactly what's supposed to happen. And then God's like, no, it's not going to happen that way. And we're going to go this way. So so where do we we trust? Because as soon as you lose faith, man, those darts are coming. And it is so easy to be discouraged in the world today, isn't it? So it's not only that. But we, we continue on. You go on down to verse 17. He says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I love that he talks about this helmet of salvation. Um, this idea that I'm going to put this helmet on. I'm going to guard my mind. With the idea that Christ is coming, that Christ has saved me and everything. See, listen, I, I believe it's all my heart. There's an old drill sergeant used to always tell me, Jesus got your heart, but I got your butt. You know? <laughs> See, the battle's not in the heart, usually, for us. The battle's in our mind. That's why Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. Not only that, the helmet, you can tell who is who in a battlefield back in the first century by their helmet. That helmet is not only our salvation, that that message of what Christ has done for us, it is our testimony. They see us coming. Can I ask you something? Do people know that you're a follower of Jesus? Would you be convicted guilty by the way you live your life? I wonder for me sometimes. Because it's my testimony and and, and this helmet that I carry with me. It says this is. This is who God has made me and who God is making me. And I want everyone to see it's my salvation. But then it's also the sword, which is the word of God. There are no more powerful words than these words. There are no greater words than these words. And if we don't know them, we are stumping us. We, we, We are disarming ourselves. I mean, this is why it's so important. That's why the Bible says to hide the Bible says to hide my word in your heart that you might not sin against me. To to memorize it, to study it, to understand it, to to sit back there and just get pulled stuff. And you may read something today and you say, Well, that really doesn't make sense for me. I guarantee you God will use that and bring light to that later on in your life. That this word are the only words that matter. We share our testimony. We we share what God is doing and we live that out. But it is his word and his truth that's going to change lives and change the world. And so that's why the author of Hebrews says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. His word is. That's why Jesus says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. I mean, just imagine the power you have in your hands. I, I can't. I can't think for a minute. I remember we were in Iraq, and we were on what we call a phase line where all the tanks are lined up and all the Bradleys and everything. We're sitting there, and we're just waiting for them because they're doing the the, um, ceasefire talks. And so we were guarding that. And here's this guy riding up on a donkey Mm -hmm. with a sword, yelling, Jihad, Jihad, Jihad. (coughs) So I turned my Bradley gun towards him. He stopped, turned the donkey around, cussed at us, and then rode away, Jihad, Jihad, Jihad. He was ill-equipped to face our tank. We had the best power. We had the most powerful weapon. As a Christian, you have the most powerful weapon, and yet it sits on our shelves dusty and unopened except on a Sunday morning. How can we do that? How can we walk into battle every day without these words in our heart? We can't. It doesn't matter what I say, it matters what these words say. And these words never go out of style or out of date. Everything you need to know about God is in here. And the things that aren't in here about God, by the way, you don't need to know them. <laughs> and so we, we, we armor up, we keep doing that, and he doesn't even stop there. It's the very first part of it. Verse 18, he says, Pray. At all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercessions for all saints. I love that it's not really called a weapon. It's not everything, but prayer is the one thing that holds it all together. Prayer is the one thing our enemy can do nothing about. He can push and put laws away that says it will be illegal. There are places in the world where people have maybe one page of this book. Where they are under severe persecution. There are all kinds of struggles that are going And the one thing that that our enemy or anyone, any government official or any plan on this planet cannot stop is our prayers. Did you know that? Your prayer is so powerful that you can pray today and it can change someone's life in China on the other side of the world. You can pray today and God can change someone's life 10 years from now. Prayer is the thing that holds it all together. Prayer, that conversation with God, just talking to Him, sharing with Him. And it's a two-way street, by the way. I think a lot of times we think prayer is us just telling God what we want. Prayer is also shutting up and listening to what God has to say to us. We could have the most amazing facility and and a staff full of people and and all kinds of equipment and everything and if we're not praying that god moves then what we do means absolutely nothing it is prayer that's going to change everything and 30 people can pray and see an entire community turn towards christ prayer is the thing that holds it all together and so we need to be a praying people we need to be praying but the thing about all this stuff to suit up and all this equipment that we put on, you can't pick and choose what you want. You know, we, I think that's part of our culture. We've become a culture. We like the buffet line. You know, we get to pick and choose like I like this, I like that. Ooh, squash, stay away. You know, don't touch my plate. Don't touch my food. I don't want that. I don't. And we pick and choose. And I think so often we do that with our faith. We pick and choose the things that we like. We love the grace. We love the love. We don't like the holiness and the justice and stuff. And so we're going to stay clear from that. Let's, let's talk about forgiveness, but please don't talk about sin. You know, God, God, I'll, I'll, I'll read my Bible five minutes a day, but man, I can't spend a lot of time talking to you. Or I'll pray for people, but I may never share the gospel. You can't, you can't pick and choose you got to take it all. See, I just, I just believe with all my heart, God is an all-or-nothing kind of God. It's, it's either, you know, he wants 100% of you. He's not some sadistic football coach that's yelling and screaming saying, give me 110%. I had a football coach like that in high school. He's like, I want 110%. And me being the smart aleck I was, I said, coach, that's mathematically impossible. <laughs> really? Heaven or start running laps till you throw up. Yeah, okay, coach, it's still impossible. I can give you 100 God's not going to do that. God's not going to ask you for more than you have or more than you can do. He says, I just want it all. But I don't think God accepts anything less. We've got we've got to take it all. That's why, you know, go back to 613. This is why he says this is why you must take up the full armor of God. Because when we take up the full armor, God, we'll be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand in the very beginning of verse 14 to stand. And this world desperately needs Christians and followers of Christ to say, I'm going to stand. Even if it's unpopular, even if it costs me. Cost me jobs or cost me friends. I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand on his truth and grace. I'm going to live this life out because no matter what comes my way, no matter what happens on this planet, my God is bigger and I'm going to stand. But you can't do that if you only pick and choose. It's got to be all. And I think so often we live a defeated life because we sit here and go, we've only chosen a few things or we're only doing a couple of things. God says, no, and get into my word, talk to me, share the gospel, live a life of faith, trust me, surrender it all, and watch what I can do. That's what we're called to do. But it's not only about suiting up and really quickly, it's also about teaming up. It's also about teaming. what I love about that movie is they had every, almost every Avengers character in there. They had to all be together. They even had a shot to face this thing, to face Thanos. They, they had to be together. And, and so you need help. I need help. You cannot go it alone. We were not created to be hermits. We were not created to be on our own and lone rangers and all that stuff. It doesn't work. I never understood growing up the show Lone Ranger because he wasn't lone. It was Lone and Tonto. There were two of them. Two does not make loan. (laughs) They were lying to me. We need each other. We need to be in a community of people. We were created to be in a community of people. (coughs) Where we share our gifts. We share our talents. We have strengths and we have weaknesses and we come together. And that's why Paul talks so much about the body. Somebody's a hand, somebody's a foot, some of us is an armpit. It works. We need it all. You can't go along. We have to team up. I've spent my entire life playing team sports. When I was in the military, it was all about teamwork. Where I work at Universal, it's all about teamwork. You can't do it all yourself. You have to have people around you. Helping you out. It's the same way with us in our faith. This is why the author of Hebrews says this. He says, and let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. Not staying away from our worship meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the draw- day drawing near. Can I give you a hint, church? The day is drawing near. And more than any other time, I think, in history, the church needs to stand and stand together. We need each other. You can't do this alone. I can't do this alone. I can't imagine being here and there's nobody here and me just standing here preaching. I can't do everything. You can't do everything. We need each other. And so we team up. We suit up. And then we team up. And then when we've done all of that, then we can finally stand up. I think we're so often afraid of offending people. Can I tell you one? Probably the most offensive person to walk this planet was Jesus. But he did it in a way that was loving. He did it in a way that was truthful. People walked away and said, Oh yeah, that's right. Remember the woman caught in adultery? I love that's one of my favorite passages of scripture. Woman caught in adultery. All the religious leaders, all the guys bring the woman out and they say, she was caught in adultery. And I I really, I really think that Jesus sat there and he asked him, how'd you catch her? (laughs) What were you doing? (laughs) But he said, the law says, and she was caught in adultery. We got to stone her. And I love that he says in truth. And just think about how offensive this is to these people. All right. Whoever, whoever has the least amount of sin, whoever doesn't have sin, you cast the first stone. Truth sometimes hurts. Truth is uncomfortable. It sheds light and darkness, but we are called to stand up. We are called to get into the fight. There are no conscientious objectors in the church of Christ. There is no one that can sit there and go, well, that's not my calling. That's the pastor's calling. That's the missionary's calling to go share the gospel, to go tell the story and to spread the gospel. That's their job. I'm sorry. I don't think the great commandment or the great commission was the great um, suggestion. (laughs) I, I think it says go into all the world. Share the gospel disciple go in the world and make disciples go everywhere that's not just for clergy that's not just for people back when they were. there were no professional clergy there were no like pastors that ran a church and stuff and had boards and elders and and committee meetings and all that stuff it was everyone everybody goes we are called to get into the fight and sometimes that means we got to make some hard decisions and sometimes we got to stand on truth that may be unpopular and was scary but can i tell you something We have one who goes before us in this fight. I love that Jesus is a general that doesn't sit up on a hill and say, go get him. He is right there with us. He's there before we get there. We talked a little bit about last week, Henry Blackaby. We don't do anything new. We already join where God is already working. He's already there working, going before us. We have one that goes before us, and the one that goes before us is greater than anything else in this universe. That's why we can say of confidence, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. He goes before me. And, and, And so, that's Romans 8.31. What a great question. What then are we to say about these things? What are we supposed to do with this? If we know that we should suit up and we armor up and that we're called to be more than conquerors, what should we say? That if God is for us, who is against us? If God is for us, who can do anything that God doesn't allow? If God is for us, who cares what other people say? Who cares what other people think? Who cares what other people do? Because God is for us. Who can possibly be against us? No one. My dad is bigger than your dad and every other dad combined. And he is for us. Listen, don't you love that? That God is for you. He's on your side. He wants the best for you. And because of that, there's nothing that can come against us. Nothing. We need to get into the fight, y'all. We need to be bold. We need to be courageous. We share the gospel at every opportunity. If someone asks you to pray, that's what happened right before service. Gentleman going over there just came over. and says, "Hey, will you pray for my daughter?" Because my son-in-law just passed away last week. He was in an accident over at Disney, and he just passed away, and he left a kid and everything. And you just say a quick prayer. And I'm like, "Can we do that right now?" Can I give you a hint? If someone asks you to pray for him, stop right then. Because if, if you're like me, you're going to forget. <laughs> It's going to slip your mind. When God opens that door, you just step in because God is for us. Who can be against us? So just step into it. Someone asks you, pray. Pray right then and there. Someone asks you, why do you go to church? Tell them. Be bold about it. Don't worry about it if they don't like it. Don't worry about it if they don't agree with you. It's not your job to change their heart or change their mind. That's what God does. You just be bold because our God has already gone before us. And because of that, We are more than conquerors, the Bible says. We're not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors. We win because he already won. So let's live like that. We are more than conquerors. This is what Romans 8.37 says. No, in all these things, we are more than victorious. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We win because he won. Thanos doesn't win. The devil doesn't win. All those we disagree with and and don't agree with the same way and don't follow the faith, they don't win. Because Jesus has already won. It was enough what he did on that cross. And that's why someday, very soon, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Wouldn't it be great if we can get as many people to do that now when they have a choice to when they don't have a choice? We are more than conquerors. Uh, Watchman Knee says this. Watch me, a great missionary, a great martyr. He says, outside of Christ, I am only a sinner. But in Christ, I am saved. Outside of Christ, I am empty. In Christ, I am full. Outside of Christ, I am weak. In Christ, I am strong. Outside of Christ, I cannot. In Christ, I am more than able. Outside of Christ, I have been defeated. In Christ, I am already victorious. How meaningful are the words in Christ? We win because he won. You can't live a victorious life outside of Christ. I honestly don't know how people face the stuff that's happening in this world outside of Christ. It is in Christ that everything is possible because we've won. So let's suit up. Let's team up. and Let's stand up. Not for our glory. Not for our namesake, but for His. Because in Christ changes everything. We are more than conquerors. And we don't need special powers. We don't need special suits. We have everything we need right here. Let's suit up. Let's team up. Let's stand up. Let's pray.